We're going to continue our series on the key to a happy life this morning. And, uh, you know, before we really get into the word, I just, um, you know, we talked about King Solomon last week and uh, two women came to King Solomon one day, dragging between them a young man. And the first woman said, this young doctor has promised to marry my daughter. And the second woman interrupted. She says, no, no, no. He's promised to marry my daughter. And they just continued to argue and go on and on until finally King Solomon said, silence. And then he said, bring my sword, my biggest sword. The young man will be hewn in two and each shall have half. The first woman said, fine, that sounds good to me. The second woman said, oh no, king, let's not shed this innocent blood. The, the, the first woman's daughter can have the young man. He can marry her. The king said, indeed, she shall marry the first woman's daughter. All of the king's court was upset. They were like, this can't be right. She was, she was just fine with him being cut in half. The king said, exactly. She is the true mother-in-law. <laughs> oh, the wisdom of Solomon. We're in a series right now called The Key to Happy Life, as I said, and I will tell you there are a lot of people in this world pursuing happiness as hard as they can go, but even when they find it, it's just for a fleeting moment. The scripture tells us that happy are the people whose God is the Lord. But here's the thing. There are a lot of believers that make foolish decisions and bring trouble and misery on themselves. Now, I want to say the Lord is the main thing, but we need the Lord's wisdom in our life. It's not just enough to, to call Him Lord. No, we need to be living by the Word of God and obeying God and doing what God wants us to do because the Scripture makes it clear that when we truly are wise that we're going to enjoy so many of the blessings of God that we won't if we're not wise. And when we're unwise, when we're foolish, we bring harm on ourselves. We see that so clearly in the Scripture today. But I want to start with a brief review to get us in the right frame of mind for the message this morning. Our key passage for this series has been Proverbs 3, 13 through 18. Happy is the man who finds wisdom. Happy is the man who finds wisdom. See, wisdom is the key. And the man who gains understanding for her proceeds are better than profits of silver, her gain than fine gold. She's more precious than rubies. And all the things that you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days is in her right hand, in her left hand, riches and honor. Her ways are the ways of pleasantness. All her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. And happy are all who retain her. You see, the, re the reason that wisdom is the key to happiness is because when we have God's wisdom, we make choices that lead us to the blessings of God and keep us away from harm. We're going to read Proverbs 4, 5 through 9 again. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Don't forget, nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will preserve you. Love her, and she will keep you. He says, get wisdom. You got to get wisdom because wisdom will keep you. It will preserve you. You see, it's going to protect you from harm. 
You know, there's no way that we can avoid all of the troubles and problems in this world and in this life. But when we are wise, we just find ourselves in better circumstances than when we make bad choices. Somebody once said, life is hard. It's harder when you're stupid. (laughs) Well, that's not exactly the way the scripture says it, is it? But I think they had the right idea. When we choose to live our lives foolishly, sooner or later, we find ourselves in a miserable circumstance. But here's the thing. Wisdom is available to us. We read on in verse 7, he says, Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. In all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she will deliver to you. He says it again, get wisdom. Wisdom's going to promote you. Wisdom's going to honor you. You see, that's the blessing of God on your life. But when we live carelessly, we make bad choices, we end up with a load of problems of our own making. Now, we've all seen that, and it's easy to say that about somebody else. It's a hard pill to swallow about ourselves that sometimes the difficulties and the trouble that we have in life was of our own making. But the scripture tells us very plainly that when we choose wisely, we're going to be protected. We're going to be blessed. And when we don't, we're bringing trouble and harm on ourselves. Now, there seems like there's a lot of Christians today in the church culture in America that have the attitude that, you know, if we have Jesus, well, then we can just kind of float through life and everything's going to be okay because we got Jesus. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We got Jesus. I want you to understand that Jesus expects us to obey his word. Nowhere in the Bible does it say it doesn't matter how you live. Don't, nowhere in the Bible does it say that you can make foolish choices in life and it's all just going to be good. No, throughout the Bible it teaches the exact opposite of that. We need to learn wisdom. This isn't just an Old Testament thing. This isn't a law thing. In fact, the Apostle Paul wrote about Wisdom to the Ephesians in Ephesians 5.15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Are you being very careful about how you live? This is the opposite of the attitude of the world around us. And it's also the opposite of the attitude of a lot of Christians. We need to be very careful about how we live Not as unwise, but as wise. James 1.5, he tells us, If we lack wisdom, we can ask of God who gives liberally to all without reproach, and it will be given to us. We need to know there's a reason he's telling us this, because we need the wisdom of God every day in this world. So important that we learn to be wise. You know, I know how powerful learning to be wise is in the long haul. It's not cool. It's not glamorous. You know, it's not that exciting of a message or a series to be preaching. I'm just telling you. But as a pastor, I just want you to know, this is so powerful because five years, 10 years, 20 years from now, 
There's going to be some of you, because you learned to choose wisdom in your life, your life, your family, your finances, your business is going to be blessed because you learned to choose right. And you see, that matters to me as a pastor. I would rather see that 10, 20 years down the road than seeing some people get excited for 10 minutes. I want to see lives change in the long haul. Now, don't misunderstand me. I love our altar time, and I love it when people get excited. But it's in the long haul what's really happening in our lives. And as a pastor, I want to see every one of you blessed. I want to see you to go through as little misery as you have to in this life. I mean that with all my heart. And so I, I share these messages with you. And they may not be that exciting, and it may go against the flow of the culture we live in, but I'm telling you, it will make a difference in your life. Last week, I shared principles with you about how to get wisdom. It's so important. As part of that, we talked about seeking godly counsel. But today, I just want to build on that principle to get wisdom. We need to walk with the wise. Proverbs 13, 20, he who walks with the wise will be wise. Very simple principle. What a great promise it offers to us that if we walk with the wise, we're going to be wise. Now, when the Bible uses the word walk like this, it's not talking about going for a walk together. It's talking about the way you do life the way you live. And so when he says, walk with the wise, he's talking about who you do life with. He's talking about who you hang out with. See, it's the people that you surround yourself with all the time. That's walking with the wise. But the companion of fools, he says, will be destroyed. And the NIV says the companion of fools suffers harm. This verse tells us again, how important it is to get wisdom because the companion of fools is going to suffer harm. But he starts with this great promise. Here's a way to have wisdom in your life. See, you might not be the sharpest knife in the drawer. You might not be the most spiritual person. Let me tell you something. You start walking with the wise and you're going to become wise. They're going to influence you for good. They're going to help you along the way. You're going to learn some things you wouldn't have ever learned walking with the wrong crowd or on your own. So what a great promise it is. But he also gives us this warning. If you hang out with fools, you're going to suffer harm. Here's the wisdom of Scripture. If you want wisdom, you hang out with somebody that's wise. Now, I really believe that in every age group, there are some wise people. There are some elderly people that are very, very wise there's some middle-aged people that are wise. There's some young adults who are wise. There's even some teenagers who are wise because we're not talking about the wisdom of the world. We're talking about the wisdom of God. And that wisdom comes from knowing the Lord and choosing to go His way. It's when we obey God. It's when we choose to do the will of God in our life. It's when we choose God's way instead of man's way. See, that's the kind of wisdom that we're talking about and certainly we ought to grow in that wisdom through the years. But I'm telling you, even teenagers, there are some who are way wiser than others. And we need to learn to walk with the wise. Jesus spoke about the wise man who built his house on a rock. It was the rock of doing what Jesus taught. 
The foolish man built his house on the sand, he said. And when the storm came, his house came down with a crash. He heard, he heard what Jesus taught, but he didn't really listen to it. He didn't obey what Jesus said. And you see, that just makes it really simple for us when we're talking about wisdom. We need to understand that a big part of what we're talking about is obeying God and doing what God wants us to do. And when somebody's not doing that, listen, I don't care how much, you know, intelligence or how smart they are, gifted they are in certain areas of life. You need to find people who get this, the wisdom of God. That's what really matters. Not just somebody that's been successful. Oh, no, somebody that's endeavoring to live for God with all their heart. Those are wise people. And the best place to find those kind of people is at church. Oh, I know what they say. Those hypocrites down there at church. Yeah, there's hypocrites in church. There's more of them out there. Sure, you can find people who are foolish in church. You can find people that aren't serving God. They're just playing church. Sure you can. But I'm still going to say the best place to find wise people, people that are really serving God, living for God, obeying the Scripture, you won't find them in church more often than anywhere else. He who walks with the wise will be wise. We need to look for those that are sincere and living for God. They want to obey God. We need to choose to do life with people that love God and have a hunger for God and want the blessing of God on their life. See, we want to do life with people that are moving in the direction that we want to go. Where do you want to go? Closer to God. You know, that's always God's will for you. It's never God's will for you to go away from Him. It's always God's will for you to get closer to Him. Is there some people that you could do life with that help you get closer to God? There sure are some people that will draw you away. You see, it's so important who we choose to do life with. Proverbs 3, 13, 20 again. He, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Again, the NIV says, suffers harm. Not only does the fool suffer harm, but the companion of fools suffers harm. You suffer harm. You got destruction in your life. I want to tell you, that's not a happy life. That's misery. If you want a happy life, you need to walk with the wise to the best of your ability. Not hang out with fools. It's important who you do life with. Now, there's always going to be things that we don't have control over. Always going to be things that happen to us maybe we don't understand. But so much of life is the result of our choices. And we got lots of choices. We make choices every day whether we realize it or not. We make choices all day long. God has given us a free will and we have to choose. And one of the most important choices that you will ever make in life is who your friends are. Who your close friends are, the ones that you do life with. Proverbs 12, 26 says, The righteous should choose his friends carefully. Not haphazardly. Not just kind of whatever happens. No, it's willful. It's intentional. It's deliberate. You choose your friends 
carefully. For the way of the wicked leads them astray. I want you to know this applies to every believer. Like so many choices in life, choosing friends can be like a fork in the road. You choose this friend, you go this way. If you choose this friend, you're going to go this way. You know, before I really turned my life over to God, as a teenager, I was a little heathen. Some of you don't know. Oh, you have no idea. Let's just say this. People that knew me then, they're pretty amazed that somehow or another I pastor a church. You know what I'm saying? But I was a wild little heather, and let me tell you, this is how my friends were. When we were going to go out and do something, well, there's probably going to be a party with alcohol, or we were going to go to some kind of a nightclub. But one way or another, there was going to be some alcohol involved. And then one day, I made a different friend. And they just said to me, they said, I want you to come to my church. And I went to church, and I made more friends. But that simple invite to church changed my life forever. You see, I had a new friend, and my life went in a different direction, a totally different direction than what it had been. You need to understand that choosing a friend can take your life somewhere. Whether you realize it or not, whether for good or for bad, the right friends can take you to a good place. The wrong friends are going to take you down the road to misery. It's important who your friends are. You know, to some degree, friendships do seem to just kind of happen. It's not always something you plan, and especially when you're talking about casual acquaintances or friends, you know, a lot of time it's just the result of circumstances where you're in class together at school or you work together or you're on a ball team together or maybe you know some of the same people. But we need to realize that our close friends need to be people that we chose carefully. That's what the scripture says. You choose your friends carefully. Close friends should be the result of a choice Because the closer I am to this person, the greater the impact and influence they're going to have on my life. Having the wrong friends, I'm going to tell you, it can do you so much harm. We read in the Scripture that wisdom will protect you. Well, here's the wisdom of Scripture. The companion of fools suffers harm. Whether you're a fool or not, if you... Choose a fool as your friend, as your close companion, you will suffer harm. Proverbs 12, 15 in the NIV says this, The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. See, the fool just does what he thinks. He doesn't listen to anybody else. And many times the fool doesn't even learn from experience. They just keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. This thing where people say experience is a great teacher, no, experience is a horrible teacher. In the first place, I see that most people don't even learn the right things from experience. Like the fool, they just keep repeating the same stupid mistakes. 
The other reason experience is not a good teacher is because a lot of time what they mean is the school of hard knocks and you get beat up enough, maybe you'll learn something. The Holy Spirit is the best teacher. This morning, there is an opportunity for you to learn without getting beat up. I have had a few times people told me I beat them up while I was preaching, but that's not really true. No, we need to hear the truth of God's Word. We need to realize that He's for us. He's not against us. He has good things for us. But, oh, the fool. He'll just keep making the same mistake over and over. Proverbs 26, 11 says, As a dog returns to its vomit, gross, so a fool repeats his folly. Their loved ones, friends, will try to talk to them, try to tell them. You know, they have to watch them mess up their lives over and over. But that's what a fool does. They, you try to tell them and they just keep going the wrong way. They won't listen. Somehow they think the rules don't apply to them. That they'll be an exception. And you know what? Sometimes it seems for a time that they may have gotten away with their bad choices. But sooner or later, they'll find themselves in a miserable place. They think... They're cool, but they're, oh, it rhymes. I know it's bad, but they're a fool. That's the truth. Proverbs 12, 26, the righteous should choose his friends carefully. So here's another exception, deception, where believers so often think they are the exception. See, some believers think that they can handle friends who are fools. I'm so strong. I'm not easily influenced. I am so spiritual. I'm so wise. I can handle it. You think you're an exception. That is the same problem that the fool has. Don't be a fool in thinking that you're an exception to God's Word. The Bible says that we're to choose our friends carefully, and that applies to all of us. The companion of fools suffers harm. And it doesn't matter how wise, how spiritual, how tough you think you are. The companion of fools suffers harm. When they make wrong choices, sometimes you're going to go down with them. When their life blows up, you're going to catch some shrapnel. You may not be doing what they're doing, but if you're a companion of a fool, I'm going to tell you, you're going to suffer harm. Here's a classic example. Listen, if you're in the car with somebody that has drugs with them, guess what? If if they get pulled over, you're in a world of trouble. Everybody starts saying, it's not mine, it's not mine, it's not mine. Guess what? It doesn't matter that you didn't have it. You're in a world of misery. It's going to cost you. It's going to mess things up in your life because you chose to be a companion of a fool. While we're on the subject of cars, let me just say, you don't ride with somebody that drinks. You don't ride with somebody who thinks they're so awesomely cool that they can text while they're driving. Don't be a companion of fools. Y'all got quiet on that one. Too many of y'all texting while you drive. Some of you need to look up the statistics on that. Foolish. I read a story about a man who was waiting in the car while his friend ran into the store to grab something, but his friend went in the store and robbed it, and in the process, he shot the clerk. 
The man in the car claims that he didn't know that his friend was going to rob the store. But here's the thing. Under the law, he's just as guilty. The companion of fools suffers harm. Oh, it's so true. It happens all the time. You know, those are kind of extreme examples, but I just tell you, if you hang out with a fool, sooner or later, it's going to bring trouble on you. If you date or marry a fool, you're going to suffer harm. I don't know why it is, but so many young ladies, I I guess it's that maternal instinct or something, you know, they want to fix her up her husband. Oh, he needs me. I'm going to fix him. I'm going to help him. I just want you to know it don't usually work out that way. Now, there's a few exceptions to that. How many of you guys feel like your wife is still working on you? I know my wife is working on me. She tells me every day. She says, I prayed for you this morning. (laughs) By the way, if you're going to work on somebody, that's how you do it. You, You just let the Lord do the work. But so often, people, you see people hook up with somebody, they think, oh, well, I, I can fix them. The companion of fools suffers harm. If you're doing business with somebody that, hear me now, you see, they may be good at certain things in business, but they're ungodly, and, and they, they, you know that they don't serve God and don't live according to the Scripture and they do foolish things. Listen, it's going to bring harm to you. It's going to bring you... They're going to get you in legal trouble. They're going to get you mixed up in some kind of big lawsuit. They're going to bring all kinds of trouble into your life. I'll, here's what I know. The companion of fools suffers harm. One way or another, it happens. It affects, it impacts the direction, and the quality of your life. You know, this principle is so obvious in life. Let me read it again, Proverbs 12, 26. The righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. This is one of the reasons that we choose our friends wisely, because they will influence us. I like to consider myself bullheaded enough and strong enough that, no, they're not going to influence me. But the truth is, is that if we hang out with somebody enough, over time, they influence us. You see, Satan is a master of deception. And, and sometimes, you know, we see somebody, we, we think, well, how did they get so far off? How did they get so messed up? Just a little bit at a time. It happened very slowly. Over time, they were being influenced by somebody. You know, most parents know this. They know it's really important who their kids are friends with. It's one of the reasons that some parents homeschool today. And and for those that do put their kids in public school, a lot of time, it's a major factor in where they live. They want to be sure that they're living in in a good school district. But most parents understand that friends will ultimately influence their kids. And so it's really important who their kids' good friends are. How many of you parents think that's important? Yeah. It's one of the reasons, you see, we have a great youth ministry here. They have very spiritual services. They have prayer meetings. God is moving and working in our teenagers. But 
part of that also is that we create the opportunity for fellowship. We have a lot of activities so they can make good friends here at church. So they're doing life with other Christian young people that love God. And it's so important. And you see, parents understand that about teenagers, how important that is. And yet, again, somehow we start thinking that we are an exception, though. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, Do not be misled or deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. Do you suppose that Paul wrote this to 14-year-olds? It's for 14-year-olds. But it's also for 44-year-olds. We're not an exception. You know, let me just address this. We always have to clarify for us to really get things right. And certainly need to clarify this when we're talking about choosing godly friends and staying away from fools or ungodly people. So, you know, the Pharisees called Jesus a friend of sinners. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. That was his purpose, his mission, and that's what he did. And when he was with sinners, he was there for a purpose, to seek and to save that which was lost. He was there to minister to them. He was there to get them saved, to see them, their lives turned around, to see them free. He was not there to hang out with the guys and have a few brews. He was not there just, you know, these are just the people he liked to hang out with. That's not what was happening. There's a lot of Christians really deceived about this. They, they take one little thing where Jesus, listen to me, Jesus was accused of being the friend of sinners. And they take that one little thing. Don't misunderstand me. Everybody hear me now. We can't ignore the lost. We have to reach the lost. We also have a mission. We're supposed to share the gospel with them. Yes, we need to minister to them. But we don't make them our best friends. We don't make them the people that we hang out with all the time. When we're with them, we're there to minister to them. Jesus had 12 that he was with all the time. Day and night, he was with them. Those were his. In fact, he tells them in John 14, he says, you're my friends if you obey what I command. He, call, he says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Those were his friends. And beyond that, he had three, Peter, James, and John, that were an inner circle these three guys were with him at the, the most uh, strategic times, like on the Mount of Transfiguration. It was Peter, James, and John that were there. Even when on the night he was betrayed, Peter, James, and John went with him to pray, and then he went on a little further. But you just need to understand that he had 12, and then he had three that he was even closer to. And you need to have some people in your life that are truly spiritual people, wise people, that you're really close to. Hanging out with the wrong people will influence you. Here's a typical story. 
Mama likes to go dancing. Daddy doesn't like to go. So Mama goes dancing on the weekends, and she makes some new friends. Over time, her values begin to change. Her priorities change. All of a sudden, she's adopted new ideas and ways of doing things. She says, well, this is what I believe, and this is how I feel, and this is what I think, and these are my views. But the truth is that it is in part a reflection of the people that she's been hanging out with. And then there's a problem in the marriage. How'd this happen? Wrong friends. I tell you, these stories are so typical and so common. This next story I'm going to share with you. I actually had a, a man say to me, he was really mad. He says, I know my wife's been talking to you. So let me just get this out of the way. Nobody's wife, nobody's husband been talking to me. You know, if, if, this, if this hits you in the face, well, it's just the Holy Spirit doing it, not me, all right? Goes like this. Daddy goes on a business trip with the guys. They're supposed to be doing business, but after the business, they go out and they get involved in things that, you know, they say, well, it don't hurt anybody. But there's a change in values. There's a turn in the, to go the wrong direction that leads to other things. And now in their home, there's a collision of values while at the same time they're finding acceptance with fools. See, they go to church, but they say, well, you know, these bunch of hypocrites down here, I don't feel comfortable with these people. They're just judgmental. They don't really accept me. And then they go over to the bar and they say, now these people, you know, they accept me like I am. Wrong friends. I knew a young couple who was happily married. But then one of them started hanging out with friends from their college days. And they started drinking. And then they went on vacation with those friends without their spouse came back and said, I want a divorce. Who you do friends with is so important. You see, the people you do friends with, I want to tell you, you choose the wrong friends that can wreck your marriage, your finance, your business, your grades at school, opportunities. The wrong friends bring so much trouble in your life and keep you from the blessings that God had for you. Psalm 1 and 1 says, Blesses the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. See, if we want the blessing of God in our life, we can't, we can't allow the ungodly to influence us. We can't listen to their ideas and their, their views on things, but instead we, we stick with the Word of God. And I'll tell you, when we do that, we see the blessing of God on our marriage and our kids, our business. I want to go back to the promise of Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with the wise or walks with wise men will be wise. He doesn't say, hey, just go it, your, go it alone. Just do it yourself. You can, you can do it all on your own. In the church in America, there's this independent attitude. That I don't need anybody. It's just me and Jesus. I'll be just fine. That is not what the scripture teaches at all. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it tells us that we as part of the body cannot say we don't need each other. It is a body, and we are members one of another. And God has designed it to work this way, that we do need each other. 
You don't grow wise by doing life alone. It's when you walk with the wise. It's just another one of those deceptions that I don't need anybody. I'm an exception to that. Being alone is never really a good thing. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. One falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. If two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. See, you might be strong, but you're not as strong as three. You might be able to fight, but who's got your back? See, God designed us this way where we're supposed to help each other. We're supposed to support each other, encourage one another, strengthen one another. We're supposed to be there when the storms of life come. We're not just doing it all on our own. But we've got help and we help others. That's the way this is supposed to work. The famous preacher Charles Spurgeon said, communion is strength. Now he's not talking about taking communion. He's talking about that fellowship. Communion is strength. Solitude is weakness. Alone, the fine old beech, beech tree, yields to the blast and lies prone on the meadow. In the forest, supporting each other, the trees laugh at the hurricane. The sheep of Jesus flock together. The social element is the genius of Christianity. I want to tell you, you see, when we really stick together as a body, as a family of believers, it makes us so much stronger. It helps us through the challenges, the difficulties, and listen, the deceptions in this world when we've got others that we're doing life with. So don't try to do it alone. That's unwise. And you'll eventually find yourself in trouble with no one there to help. Here's how I see this many times. Some people go to church, but they don't build any friendships. They don't develop relationships. They don't get close to anybody. And you know, they just kind of come in and go and maybe shake a few hands and say hi or something, but they don't ever really make friends and walk with the wise. And then one day, a storm comes, and their life is hit hard, and they're going through a terrible time. And you know what they say? They say, nobody at the church even tried to help me. They didn't care about having relationships with anybody. They didn't care about getting involved or helping anybody else. But then they want to accuse the church and say, nobody even cared. I'm telling you, we're supposed to have relationships with one another. We're supposed to build those kinds of friendships with other believers because we got to do this together. That's the way it's supposed to be. We need each other. Proverbs 18.1 says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. See, people isolate themselves because they just want to do what they want to do. And they don't care about what somebody else wants. And then he says he rages against all wise judgment. See, the fool, he's just headed for trouble. So much arrogance to think that we don't need anybody, that we're all sufficient, all-knowing. Never a weak moment. 
Proverbs 12, 15. I'm giving you a lot of scripture because you know what? I really believe it's the word of God that we take heed to. It's the word of God that changes us. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. The way of a fool, he doesn't listen. He's already made up his mind, and he just goes on his way. But the wise man listens. You see, if you're a wise man, you listen. Nobody has all the answers. Nobody's got it all figured out. Nobody has acquired all wisdom. No, if we're wise, we still listen. We learn from the mistakes of others. Proverbs eleven fourteen: where there is no counsel, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. We talked about this verse last week, but I want you to see that we need that wise counsel. He says, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. What happens to the companion of fool? He, he suffers harm. But in the multitude of wise counsel, you see, there's safety there. You're protected from harm. It's just never wise to go it alone. You know, when you have wise friends, there's times that they will hold you accountable. There's times that they will speak into your life. There's times that they will question you. Like, hey, I heard you're going to go out with this person. There's times when they'll say, are you sure that you want to buy that? Is that really what God has for you? There's times that they will challenge you and hold you accountable. And you see, a lot of people, they're like, oh, I don't want that because I want to do what I want to do. Remember the fool, he isolates himself because he just wants to do what he wants to do. He don't want to listen to anybody. But if we're wise, we'll have those kinds of friends where, you know, when you start missing church, they're like, hey, where have you been? We need somebody like that in our life. Accountability of people who care about us. You know, we've all seen people make foolish mistakes, and most of us have made some ourselves. But what if we had spiritual friends we could rely on for counsel? Maybe we could avoid some of the pitfalls and some of the mistakes and some of the heartache. There was a pastor at a conference a few years ago that shared a story about a thriving church. The church was running about 500, and this particular church had a lot of outreach and evangelistic events, and they had lots of people coming into the church, lots of people getting saved and joining the church. But it's really strange, as it is with so many churches, after a couple of years, the pastor noticed that even though they had so many coming in, the church was not actually growing. And so they did a little bit of research about the people that were leaving, and what they found is, is that 90% of those that were leaving weren't leaving and going to another church. They were just stopping altogether going to church. And in fact, in their neighborhood, they found that many of those that had been evangelized, then it was very difficult to get them to ever come back. Like they were immune to it. Pastor decided, I got to do something. This isn't working. And so what he did, he called the last 12 people that had joined the church. And he said, I want you to come for dinner at my house. I want to talk to you. So they all came to dinner, 
And after dinner, he said, would you like to know your future? And they said, yes. He said, within the next four years, two of you are going to get a divorce, and because of shame, you're going to leave the church. Three of you, because of some type of moral failure, you're going to get discouraged and leave the church. And three more of you, because of conflict or something somebody did or something that happened at church, you're going to leave the church. But he said at the end of four years, there's only going to be two of you still in church and only one at this church. And they all just looked at him like, surely not I, Lord. And then one of them spoke up and said, well, how can we not become one of those statistics. He said, what y'all need to do is y'all need to grab a hold of each other and don't let go. You need to be with each other through the tragedies, through the heartaches, through the battles, through the failures, through the struggles. And that's what they did. And four years later, 11 of the 12 were still there. I just want you to know that works. When you have that kind of community, you have wise people that you're doing life together, y'all wanting to grow in the Lord and get close to God and serve God. I want to tell you, when you hang out with those kind of people, it makes a difference in your life. And I also am going to say, I see the same thing happening so much in this church that so often we got new people coming in. Some of you that have been here less than a year, I just want, want you to hear that. You probably won't be here two or three, four years from now unless you get in and you get connected with some other people that you can do life with and lock arms together with for the battles that are ahead and the things that you're going to go through. Those times when you're apathetic. I tell you, you need this. You need those kinds of friends. This message is about much more than a small group sign up, but it is a great opportunity for you to look for those kinds of friendships and choose the right friends. Stand with me. We're going to pray.